Losing Our Religions this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. myself and English Dan aren't doing we're both here say hello English Dan hello I'm Sam uh, the other member of our team this evening is the and he's also currently eating a, a fruity grain masticating so, so I'll let him chew a little bit before he he explains why I gave that introduction um, Sebastian Garcia is is converting are you not hola como están how are you yeah, uh, you want me to say it right now? Please do, yeah. That I'm not going to watch the Avellaneda Diary on Saturday, because I'm going to be watching QPR, West Brom, West Bromwich Albion. It's a um, huge revelation. I'm going to have, yeah, no, I know. It never happened to me, and I would have, I would have never thought that uh, Independiente Racing wouldn't have been my first choice of a, of a football match uh, to watch. But that's that's the reality. I, I'm getting, getting a bit frustrated, and... Honestly, if Alfio Basile, the manager, if he doesn't care enough to travel with the team to, that will be that, that that was playing a Copa Argentina match, why should I? I'm gonna be I'm gonna have the TV on. I'm gonna be looking at it, but my my main interest will be on QPR, uh, trying to save ourselves from relegation. <laughs> this is a deeply. Uh passionate build-up tonight then from Hand of Pod to what is the biggest derby uh, in Argentine football this season. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of build-up we were hoping for. We, we promised you a tamed Independiente fan last week and we've not been able to come through on that because Australian Dan, who's absent, we're looking at his empty chair at the moment, is in Ecuador this week and have promised to send me the contact details for said Independiente fan and didn't do. Um, so Aussie Dan, it, this is all your fault. Uh, we're going to talk about the the Avellaneda Classico a little bit later, though. And in the meantime, we've got other stuff to get on on with. Um, in the background this evening's muted match is Flamengo against Lanús, in which uh, Lanús are looking for either a draw or a win in order to steal first place in Group Two. Thank you, Dan. Group Two of the Copa Libertadores. They've already qualified. Um, but but it's uh, to do with obviously winning the group this game, so we'll keep you posted on that one. Although we won't finish by the time we finish recording, and you'll probably know the result by the time we upload. I upload. Um, I wouldn't say probably. I would say surely. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it was probably not planning on recording for two hours. Please, we've not got any fernet about or anything else. If we did have that, it would be more of a possibility, perhaps. But uh, with just three of us, it's stretching it a bit when we're all sober. Anyway. Uh, last weekend, guys, it was a long time ago, we're recording on Thursday night, for which um, I, I suppose I, I'm the main culprit, but we've all had various things on that we thought we were going to have to do during the week. Um, can anybody remember what happened last weekend? Well, it wasn't so much the weekend, this is probably a little bit fresher in the memory, but because of the, I, I guess you can say biblical reigns that, that Lash Buenos Aires in the past week, they moved... Um, Racing San Lorenzo to Monday night because the security, the police services, the security services couldn't 
look after all the houses that were left without light and the water and also watch a football match on the weekend so yeah we, uh, Racing played on Monday against San Lorenzo and I think the game was pretty much as we could have expected you know two teams big rivals but who have done pretty awful recently and they kind of just showed fleeting moments of decency and quite a few other moments of not so decent play and it finished a one-all draw and I don't yeah it's it's hard to kind of get either upset or excited about the game because it was just yeah you could you could feel a draw was always on the cards yeah. did, did you watch that one Seb or were you, were you watching a DVD of Les Ferdinand's greatest QPR no. <laughs> no, I was trying to recover from QPR getting absolutely robbed at Old Trafford yeah I apologise for that no worries uh, it's not your fault um, no but I, I did watch uh, that game and I have the feeling, again, this is uh, probably a thing I have with Basile, who was my favourite manager when, when I was growing up. He was... Was he really? He was. I wouldn't have believed it from the way he talked about himself. Yeah. But that's, that's, the, that's the thing. That's why I'm saying this. Because uh, I, I used to really, really love him. And the way he, his philosophy, the way he, he um, managed Racing for a long, long time. And he, he was... the philosophy, you say. Hmm? What? I'm, I'm just being facetious now. Sorry, carry on. Ah, okay. <laughs> no, because um, my, fa- my my first memory of uh, of a Racing team was managed. Uh, it was a team that was managed by Vasile, and he brought us back from second division to to first division. We won the South American Super Cup. This was in the eighty-eight. It was in the mid-eighties when we came back from second division in, sure. in eighty-five, and then three years later. He won the, the, the South American Super Cup, and as I said, I, I I really loved him. And then his second spell, I I loved him during his first spell as an Argentina manager. He was unlucky with the circumstances and the Maradona uh, doping scandal in in the USA in '94. But I I don't think there were many Argentina teams that played as good as that team in the build-up for, for that tournament and the two consecutive Copa Americas, 91-93. Then the second spell he had with Argentina was a disaster and, and I f- kind of think that his problem is that he's probably out of touch with the modern footballer and the modern footballer, I, I, it's not that I'm a fan of the modern footballer, I think they're, they're <laughs> most of them are idiots, but... I think we can all agree yeah, that, yeah. Exactly. So the sentiment we shared between the, the three or four of us is it usually is quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. But there are managers who actually know how to deal with them, and, and I think Basile is probably, he, the, the generational gap is probably mm. too huge for him, and, and, and that's, a, that's the thing, the problem I have with him right now, because I, I think he's outdated, I think he's past it, and as long as he continues with his attitudes and disregarding a competition which Racing should and, and could probably win it, such as the, as the Copa Argentina, why should I care, why should I... Uh, have a real interest in that uh, apart from my history as a Racing fan but then in the build up for this San Lorenzo match he said uh, I think if I lose I'm, I'm going to leave I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit because I'm not used to not fighting for a title or not fighting for something yeah, and, if he, uh, and if the team is uh, not fighting for anything who's to blame? Yeah. <laughs> who is to blame? I mean, I mean it's, uh, it's five defeats in nine matches with three draws, only two wins for Racing. Four defeats, no? Four defeats. Four defeats, two wins, 
and and three draws. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an appalling. No, yeah, you have got to consider that with essentially well, almost entirely the same squad last year. You know, Simeone lost what was it two games the whole season and. And I think is celebrating uh, Flamingo Garda. Yeah, the, the super hoops from. You can Brazil. see that he's. <laughs> you can see that he's completely turned away from Argentine football, and he'll basically support anyone who's not Argentine. Yeah. So, yeah. To go back to the point, yeah. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Yeah. You're basically you're basically looking at a squad that yeah, for all its faults, and we talked about them at length under Simeone last year. It's the team that finished second in the Apertura that were completely rock solid at the back if not the most exciting team and yeah I think from the first nine games you can only say it's gone backwards you know at least under Simeone you can say they had a, a form of playing you know it was it was never going to get you particularly excited but mm. it was it was kind of a philosophy it was to start yeah. with but see it's kind of you turn up on Saturday you kick the ball around for 90 minutes and you go home that's the kind of I'm still a fan of uh, this offensive football yeah. he tries to play but the thing the thing that annoys me is the his attitudes not not just the way we're playing or the way we're dropping points uh, every week it's his attitude I mean we I, I feel like we are hostages and he, he said he's saying okay uh, if I lose I will live yeah. and that's not the message he should be sending even if he wants to wake up the players I mean and talking about that game in particular, uh, I tweeted after the game that uh, I think all all, uh, all is left for San Lorenzo and Racing right now is is their history. It's it's undeniable that they have a rich history and tradition, but their their their, their present days. There's well, nothing no, to write home about. I, mean, I think for Racing, you can you can probably look on it a little bit more positively because. You say this season, yeah, it's it's been very disappointing so far. But if you look at 2011 and the start of 2010, you have seen an improvement to what it was over the first years. I mean, the second half of the season, we've got um, Copa Sudamericana to look forward to. It's been yeah. a long time since there's been continental competition. So, kind of looking more in a wider perspective, I think there have been there has been some growth institutionally, yeah. definitely. But no, also, yeah, absolutely, you have to yeah. say that about the team we're watching uh, now. San sorry, no, worse. Yeah. A much worse situation, and it was a debut for their new manager, our favorite goatee, oh, <laughs> Ricardo Caruso. Caruso, Caruso, Caruso we trust. Yeah. Our favorite speedo manager, <laughs> smoke seller. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, you, you could see a different attitude. San Lorenzo with 11 men behind the ball at all times, or most of the time, they they went behind, uh, and then they 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 managed to get a draw. And the fighting spirit is there, and it's probably it's probably gonna do a lot of good for them. Mm. And they're in a really difficult yeah. situation. Just speaking Although about news, yeah. sorry, much sorry. So San Lorenzo's draw very much a point gained because Tigre the previous day lost two uh, 0 to All Boys um, in Floresta with a magnificent stoppage time equaliser, uh, no second goal to to kill that match off um, for All Boys. From from the Uruguayan Juan Pablo Rodriguez. Did you see that one? I haven't. Oh, you should look it up. Isn't it brilliant? Um, after all, boys as well have been down to ten men for the vast majority of the second half. Um, Tigre really looking up to their necks in it now, especially this coming weekend. They've got Boca, which we'll, we'll get onto that probably a little bit later. Um, they're still high up in the Clausura, and if they can arrest that slide soon, then they've definitely still got hope because San Lorenzo have dropped so many points recently. 
but they're making it difficult for themselves. Um, the other results in the weekend, Vélez and Independiente stand out because that was on Friday night. Um, meaning that Independiente are going into this Clásico this weekend, having had three days more rest for it than Racing have. Something that Racing aren't very happy about. No, um, you can kind of see the point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can. Uh, they drew 1-1 in the Nios with Venice. Uh, Boca Juniors beat Argentinos Juniors 2-1 in the Clásico Maradoniana, uh, which doesn't actually exist. <laughs> Rafaela beat San Martín 3-1 with a, an impressive performance. Colón beat Lanús 1-0. What else have they got? Estudiantes, surprisingly, lost away to Belgrano 2-1. Godoy Cruz and Newells drew 1-1 and so what that leaves us with is a clausura table that's topped by Boca Juniors after nine matches with 20 points Arsenal de Sarandí have 18 Newells third on 17 Vélez on 16 Estudiantes on 15 Tigre and Belgrano on 14 uh, Colón all boys on 13 and that's basically that's your top nine Union make up 10th place with uh, 12 points can, can I ch- slightly change the meticulous plan we have for this recording which we were so organised we have a you really should have put this request in writing three days beforehand <laughs> you know this procedure I know I know but one of the questions we got this week was from a friend Shivan LM and he wants uh, he wants us to, to talk about Arsenal and what are their chances of winning the league because he specifically wants to know whether they're the, the most overperforming team at the moment if I'm right um well, he asked me uh, whether they have a chance to win their first ever league title. And the short answer for me would be, as long as Julio Grondona is alive, they have a chance. Uh, he tweeted this to you. Yeah, he tweeted this oh, to that's me. that's yeah. so I've got a tweet from the guy, uh, Mark Moorhead, whose Twitter is Mark underscore Moorhead. He says, given Arsenal's tenure, ten, Arsenal's tenure run in the Primera, and repeated continental involvement and so on, Sudamericana title and so forth, are they the biggest overachievers in recent times and can they go one further and win the league so it's the same question it's about yeah it's more or less the same and speaking about Grondonas um, this week the all time top scorer for Arsenal and mm. former president and I think was he the was he the current president of Arsenal as well? He, he was a former president of Independiente, and his, you can be president yeah, of two his, different clubs in Argentina. It's no problem. Yeah, his son is the current. His son is. All right, all right. So yeah, Mr. Hector, uh, Julio Grandona's brother, uh, has died uh, last week. Uh, so that's another Arsenal-related news. But the president mortal. Hmm? The president mortal. The Grandonas, yeah. So we're all. A little bit surprised to find out. There's light at the end of the tunnel, in a way. (laughs) That's pretty pretty morbid, Sam. Right, no, no, but but we share your sentiments, yeah. No, but be, before before you said that, I said as long as Julio was alive, they have a chance, and so they still do. But uh, I, I would question. Okay, are they the biggest overachiever in recent times? I would say that the involvement of the Grandonas in the club actually lessens their achievements somewhat. If, if they've managed it all just off their own backs, mm. then absolutely. But it's very difficult. But to if you see, really believe that Arsenal have done all of that without. But, but you, you have to consider. Do you, do you have to consider when Grandona first got uh, into, well, became uh, AFA president, they were in fourth division, mm-hmm. and this was only in 79. I mean, in terms of uh, one man being president of one entity is a long, long time, yeah. if it's from 79 to 2012, but in terms of football, 
you know, you have to get like four promotions in a row, mm. and you never get more than 200 or 300 fans. And so, who pays for yeah. well, how, how, how much money they get from tickets? And you know, it's well, we're not talking you can about say the achievement of, of Wimbledon levels in the 80s and 90s, are we? Exactly, exactly. Um, this is a kind of uh, well, it's a different kind of animal, and uh, you know, they have a long, long history of. Uh, refereeing decisions going their way when they were playing in the lower leagues and some restructures that got saw them getting promoted without without winning promotion on, on, on the football ground yeah, on the pitch or avoiding re- relegation uh, I might have to investigate on that or, or refresh my memory on that but I'm, I'm sure it happened oh, and yeah. maybe for another episode uh, I wasn't prepared for this they're one of three teams in Argentina who's never been relegated uh, yeah since uh, they got up was four but of course they were relegated last year and yeah, Boca and Independiente and the others or is it no sorry they might have, they're, they're the three that have been relegated from the Primera they might be yeah. ones below that haven't yet been relegated uh, don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. yeah so uh, yeah Arsenal since they got promoted to first division in 2002 they have never had any problems, or if they flirted with relegation, they, they they didn't have a no. to go to the wire to save themselves. So you you wonder you wonder what's their what's their key, what's their yeah. formula. It's uh, hard to say. I think what I would say is um, you could probably draw a line between the early days, you know, in lower leagues where it seems pretty likely that they received quite a lot of help from from Grandona and from the leagues, kind of. It gave them a push up the system, if nothing else. And I think you can draw a line between that and maybe the last, say, four or three years, especially since uh, Gustavo Alfaro's taken over. Because um, I'm no fan of Arsenal at all as a club, but he has done excellent work there and really has made him a pretty formidable team. I'd agree so with that. I'd uh, definitely give him credit for it. The the financial side of things is huge. I mean, we know that. Yeah. We know. <laughs> because he all but admitted it on, on secret yeah. cameras last year that Grandona holds back enormous amounts of money from yeah. pretty much every club in the Primera so that they remain indebted to yeah. him and need him to stay president now do we really think he's doing that with Arsenal? I'd be amazed frankly yeah. um, uh, it's, it's a tough subject definitely. one team that I think about to compare uh, with their meteoric, meteoric uh, race to or rise to the first division it will be Fulham in the UK but that's different because it was with a huge investment and, and mm. this is something that didn't happen so it's how many teams can get from 4th division to 1st division without a huge investment behind yeah. or I mean just winning promotion on, 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 on the football on the football ground on, on the pitch and even more rare is that they do that and then stay there I mean, a lot of teams kind of yeah. fly up the leagues and then fly back down, but it seems that Arsenal hits the... And those teams, like, examples again from, from England that we, we are familiar with, like, for example, Norwich, well, they have a massive fan base and they, they have a they have a, bigger, a big market. They, they can fill a, a, a big stadium. It's, it's, not a, it's not a small ground. And it's not the case with Arsenal. I mean, Carroll Road. Yeah, Carroll Road. Um, so uh, you, I don't know. I, I don't want to. It's not that I don't want to give them any, any credit because they have a they have a good team now. They they they're um, um, producing players as well, yeah. and they should get the, the players that are there should get the credit and Alfaro as well. It's what happens behind the scenes yeah. that 
really will will forever smell. You still you still see the black hand then. <laughs> how how could how could I? I mean, yeah. it's it's difficult. It's really difficult, um, and it's difficult to to separate ourselves from that from knowing from that notion or from that from that idea and it's difficult for us to say okay uh, they shouldn't win the league because of this or this and this and this and uh, or that I mean if they deserve to win because they they're playing better than anyone else I mean and they, they have won five in a row and that's not an easy thing to do for yeah. and it hasn't been because of uh, refereeing decisions I'm just glad to ever that your team in England isn't under any influence whatsoever from, you know, uh, slightly corrupt playboy and millionaires. It's, it's very refreshing. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, Eccleston, you know, he's, um, you could say he's probably the Grandola well, he's not, one. You know? Well, he's not, he's not <laughs> with QPR anymore. He was right. a disaster. Okay. Uh, well, if you haven't seen the four-year plan, which is a, is a beautiful documentary, yeah. you should, because it's... It tells you what, what we've been through as, as right. QPR fans and, and what happens sometimes behind the scenes for that club and, and yeah. many other clubs as well. Um, but yeah, no, the, the current owners are, are not anywhere uh, anywhere near the same level as, as Briatore and Eccleston. <laughs> they were. Thankfully, thankfully. They're a good bunch. I'm going to try and drag this back onto topic now. I wanted yeah. to ask you to what you think of um, Estudiantes at the moment because after being on the last unbeaten team left in the Primera they've now lost their last two games the first was to Boca which is you know no, nothing to be ashamed of losing to Boca um, yeah, and the second rather as I mentioned earlier more surprisingly was away to Belgrano um, yeah and with the comeback they were yeah. the, the yeah. were ahead and, and Belgrano it was funny because the the, 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 the man who scored twi- uh, two, the two goals for Belgrano used to play for Gimnasia and he was playing for Gimnasia when Estudiantes beat them 7-0 and of course Gimnasia now in second division the biggest rivals for Estudiantes so it was kind of a uh, you know kind of a morbo situation as they call it in Spain yeah his, his yeah. name is Esteban Gonzalez and he definitely enjoyed him exactly well. and with a, so it was an impressive comeback win for Belgrano yeah. uh, all the same it was impressive but I don't know if I'd call it particularly surprising. I mean, if you look at the two teams' form over the years, in as regards, you know, since Belgrano have come back to the Primera, then you can't exactly say it was a shock. No, sure, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not as if Olimpo has beaten Estudiantes no. or something, but Estudiantes were unbeaten in, what was it, 12 games or something yeah. before. In that case, yeah. Um, I think there was always going to be a, a bit of a backlash after, after losing it. Ow! We should explain to everyone what all this speaking is that uh, the hand of pod yeah. dog zombie is back. And then he just kicked um, me in the leg. And it's in full effect. He's, yeah. he's beating up English now. <laughs> um, yeah, Bel- Belgrano. I feed him every three days and this is how you play. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, his name is Zombie if he bites you. We've just uh, had a bit of a pause whilst our zombie is removed from the premises. Um, <laughs> Belgrano, as I was trying to say before, so unceremoniously uh, interrupted uh, uh, really really close now to, to getting those 50 points that they wanted at the start of the season another win this weekend will take them to 48 um, with still what 8 games to go we'd have after this weekend wouldn't we um, so they definitely do deserve some praise without a shadow of a doubt um, 
Well done. Well done. <laughs> this is this is Hannah Ford praising you. Uh, so obviously they're going to lose this weekend. Now. Well, <laughs> probably. I'm trying to. I've got Australian dance predictions for the weekend. I won't read them out just yet to you two, but uh, he does have them. Net winning. Let's say. Um, any other results that were from the weekend that, that we should discuss? Hmm. Well, Volker, of course. Of course. Leaders. Yeah. I was a bit upset, Sam. You used the improper name for this classico. Everyone knows the traditional classico name is <laughs> the Junior Classico. Yeah, yes. that's Junior. I was, uh, I was actually pulled up by by Seb last time. I called it the the Juniors Derby. He he's just with the Maradona Derby, which ah, is right. changed the name. Yeah, and also the, the Maradoniano sounds a bit like the the whatever the official name of the the Milan Derby is. The Ma- ah, the Madonina. Madonina. Madonina, thank you. Yeah. The little virgin. Maradonina. The, the little Maradona virgin, which is an interesting concept and not one that's entirely in keeping with his life. But uh, there we go. Anyway, um, yeah, they're playing well. Argentinos took the lead about what 40 seconds in. Um, Seba's currently frantically gesturing at me not to put the microphone anywhere near him because he didn't watch it. Um, but after that, Boca did. I, actually, I, th- I thought Argentinos did well as well. It was a good game all round. Yeah, um, they tried hard. They worked. I mean, uh, Argentinos sort of said after. To the game, uh, their, their manager, whose name I still have, can't remember because I still keep wanting to say it's Nestor Gorosito, <laughs> Leonardo Astrada, of course, who I should be able to remember as a River Plate fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he said after the game that he thought that the, the loss was a bit harsh and that they perhaps even could have won it if they managed to get the equaliser sort of halfway through the second half. Um, I'm not quite sure I'd go that far, but certainly it, it was an entertaining match and it was one of the better standards I would say of, of yeah. in the class yeah. that we've seen so far that may not be setting the bar very high but it was it was decent I enjoyed watching it um, one of the really interesting things that came out while I was watching that game they they brought up the stat on Football Paradores that I believe Boca after nine games this year they've got it was either level or it was only one less point than they had at this stage in the Apertura which was championship yeah. yeah they've been winning a few more so yeah and this is even with their um, Copa Libertadores commitments yeah that this is even again yeah and this is of course bearing into taking into account that they've played the Copa Libertadores and mm. of course we haven't mentioned it yet they qualified last night with a 2-0 two, two win away to Fluminense yes the the Copas uh, I'm using the plural because there were there are two Copas taking place this midweek and of course uh, they're in the Copa Argentina still precisely yeah. um, so we'll we may as well talk about them now because we're starting to flag a little bit for looking back on the weekend when it, it was such a long time ago well the only thing I want to know I, I will pretend that I'm a listener mm-hmm. and who scored for Boca two goals Juan Manuel Insaurralde the centre back and Darío Svitanich got the winner right Okay. Uh, Santiago Silva had a, who's only scored once for Boca that was in the Libertadores last week not this week um, uh, and he, he had an astonishing chance in about the 92nd minute he, which he hit straight at the goalkeeper and who tipped it onto the post it was did, didn't, he score, didn't he score against Estudiantes for oh he did sorry he scored against yeah. Estudiantes that's what yeah. I meant not in the Libertadores last week um, yeah um so the the Copas there are as I say two that have taken place this week we're currently watching Flamengo Lanús I think either at the same time or in a couple of hours time on a different channel uh, in the Copa Argentina there's 
Atletico Rafaela, is it against yes, Sunday? Yes, thank you. Um, so we won't be able to give you the news of those, but we've already had two Copa Argentina games this week. They are the we're in the round of 16 now. Um, so booking their place in the quarterfinals on Tuesday night was Tigre, who put out a reserve team after their first team lost two straight league games in a row. Tigre played with entirely reserves because they're, they're saving the first team for this weekend. Um, and beat a full strength Argentino side 1-0 with a penalty about halfway through the first half it was a final so game. Tigre in the quarter final and I'm going to bring up the fixtures for it now in fact um, so that we can tell you exactly who they're playing well Tigre they have to play the winner of Sarmiento de Junín That's the one, and Deportivo Merlo yeah. both from the lower divisions and, and Sarmiento de Junín has been they have been uh, killing giants and Deportivo Merlo knocked out Estudiantes yeah. penalties so uh, yeah they're not to be taken lightly and, but yeah for Tigre it looks at some point they're going to have to make a decision because Copa Argentina is all very tempting but yeah. they have to save themselves from I think it's a favourite I don't think they wanted no, no. to go through no they probably they probably they, they they play with the reserves for this round but now that they're getting closer to yeah. the semi-finals who knows maybe if they get a couple of good results before they have to play yeah. Sarmiento de Junín or Deportivo Merlo but possibly they can they can do the same that they did against Argentinos play the reserves and, and still get a result that will get them to the semi-finals and the, the rival from well I'm going to go I'm going to that now because the um, the other uh, round of 16 game in the same part of the draw was the game that took place last night between Quilmes and River Plate um, it was on at the same time as Boca Juniors played against Fluminense uh, and one of our favourite tweeters La Gorda Niembro tweeted at half time that the score in the Super Clasico was River 1 Boca 1 because they both went in 1-0 up at half time uh, apparently the first time that they've both played at the same time since, since 2000 when they both played a league game at the same time and the first time they've played at the same time in different competitions since 1991 um well, they didn't play each other, of course. No, exactly. Yeah. Other, other than <laughs> in Super Classicos, um, River won two-one with goals from David Trezeguet and a Golasso near the end from no, okay, not that near the end actually, but in the second half from uh, Daniel Bichalba who had come off the bench to replace Trezeguet. Um, he was, uh, by the way, this uh, earlier last week or this yeah, week? he was a victim of uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. a Express, Express, like a carjacking, I guess you call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as Seb has already said Tigre are waiting to play either Deportivo Merlo or Sarmiento de Junín who play next uh, Wednesday I think it is um, River will now play in the quarters against either Central Barracas Central or San Lorenzo um, whose match was going to be next Tuesday but has been put back by a week um, for reasons that I'm not sure about at the moment because I only found out when I got to Dams so I'm, I'm, as a River fan I'm hoping that we get San Lorenzo I'd like to see how much River have improved in the course of this season um, and San Lorenzo aren't such a terrifying prospect as a Primera opponent that we'd be fearing going no, and also San Lorenzo could could, uh, could, con- could, yeah. could concentrate on the league well yeah it would definitely be a dilemma for San Lorenzo because obviously they have to focus on avoiding relegation and getting out of the playoff that's got to be number one priority yeah. at the same time if they're faced with a Clásico they can't face you know sending in their reserve team and getting humiliated by River and it's one of these things as well I had a bit of an argument um, a couple of months ago rather hilariously we we should mention that Flamengo have just gone 2-0 up against Lanús 
David. David, thank you, server. Let's go from the edge of the box. Another one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had an argument quite amusingly with, with Johnny Favreau on Twitter um, a couple of months ago which, which Perry White Ralph uh, commented on to me via direct message whilst it was going on because I, I just tweeted him something and wasn't expecting him to reply and he did do and he was saying that he thought the Copa Argentina is he called it una vergüenza for Boca it, it's it's shameful that they have to play against lower division sides and I, I said to him why I mean most you know I'm English but in, in the FA Cup we have this whole thing there's a kind of romance of a lower division team getting all the way to the you know the later stages of it if not the final um, and he said well I suppose eventually he was like oh actually okay yeah, you've won me around that would be nice but I still think that there's too much risk if Boca play a lower division side and lose against them then that's like the most shameful thing ever and oh, oh, which, which is why I often say that there's a, a very differing uh, there's a very different reaction here in Argentina to the lower leagues and you know, you know the attitude towards the lower leagues is, is in England for most, pro- most probably so. because of the lack of this kind of competition yeah. and Absolutely. they're not getting a bit respected now uh, with, with results such as Merlo beating Estudiantes and Santa Marina taking Boca all the way to penalties and I think it's I think it's narrow minded to think about to, to, to think about it that way so do I um, but I, I, I wondered, as you say, if San Lorenzo have a Clásico against River in the next round, that, is that going to play into it? Well, is anybody going to be looking at River still as the lower division team? Because certainly that doesn't seem to be how it's worked in <laughs> during their, their season in the second not. division. I, I, I will go as far as to say, uh, when River play for their second division in their second division matches, they don't treat it. They don't treat River as a second division no. team. I mean, the media, no. the fans, and when, when they're played, when they're played at the same time as whatever San Martin against Godoy Cruz or something, you get one channel showing Godoy Cruz San Martin, and literally, I've seen seven channels showing the River match, yeah. um, which which is ridiculous in terms of the coverage. So that 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 can be an interesting, particularly an interesting quarter final if San Lorenzo get through. Of course, if if Barracas Central go through, then that will be a great story for mm. for an entirely different reason. They're, they're down in the, the Primera Bay Metropolitana, they're the lowest ranked of the clubs left in the competition. Um, and then a semi final between Tigre and River would be very interesting, especially considering that River so far have been putting out full strength teams for the Copa and except Matias last Almeida. Night. Except last well, night. yeah, last, last night was a mix, but even then you had Tresegay up front still. Um, in, Matias Almeida's made a point of saying that he, he wants to try and win the Copa if he can but by the time that semi-final comes around you could well end up with Tigre needing to win as they're going to need to win till the end of the year anyway to, to stay up in the relegation fight and also River aren't already you know, 10 points clear at the top of, of Nacional B in, in terms of winning promotion they're currently level on points with uh, in fact with Kilmes I think Kilmes, yeah. um, who are so at the moment on goal differences separating them and of course if they're separated on goal difference after the last match of the season goal difference doesn't count they have to play a playoff to separate the ties mm-hmm. um, so River could well need a win then as well you might see a semi-final that both sides are going to be taking really seriously wanting to win but which neither side can actually afford to field the full strength uh, team for so that's that's an interesting one the other uh, half of the Copa Argentina draw uh, well, we have Boca on, on one side of the draw and Racing on the other as the, exactly, big, yeah. the, the bigger teams out there yeah. and the, the only one of the big five that has already been eliminated has been Independiente and they lost to Belgrano and now Belgrano is in that, in that part of the draw 
because Independiente was supposed if they if they won all their matches they were supposed to play Boca in quarterfinals yeah, and then Racing semifinals Rosario Central played Belgrano um, yeah, in a couple of weeks time Olimpo played Boca also on the same day Atletico Tucumán and Rafael as we've said is, is tonight and then the winners of that match will play the Racing or Sarmiento de Chaco de Resistencia de Resistencia, de resistencia yes. Chaco. in Chaco Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that uh, Rosario Central uh, defeated Vélez. So Vélez was also on that part of the draw, which, which is the strongest on paper. Yeah, it was on penalties. Uh, so now it could be Rosario Central Boca will be an amazing quarterfinals. One that I will really look forward to, to watching. Who's going to have to change their kits? <laughs> One of them will play in yellow, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's looking. We get to the later later stages, and and and, and interest from the media and the, and the public in general is is growing and is increasing. So that's something I really like to see. And I, I I really like I would really like to see this cup competition uh, being improved. And there's rumors of. Uh, not playing this, all these matches in the provinces and only Boca and River will have to travel to the provinces um, yeah That's hopefully that, yeah hopefully the, the, the home advantage the, the home team advantage will will be introduced I mean yeah. and, and these lower clubs or lower league clubs will get to to host big teams at their own in their own backyard so it's looking good I, I'm hoping for a good Final rounds of this cup, so so it gets established and and is part of the of the agenda from yeah. now on. I, I think one thing that might not help it actually, I've, I've just thought while you were talking is that if if we say that Boca, uh, as we say, Boca could end up playing Central or Belgrano, uh, assuming they get past Olimpo in 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 their match in uh, two weeks' time. Um, If, if Boca gets to the semi-final and then if, it, if the other semi-final was Tigre v River and say you've got I don't know Boca Racing looks like okay we'll, we'll find out next week probably the most likely of, of the semi-finals um, although Rafaela wouldn't surprise me if they got there then you could end up with uh, for reasons that we've just outlined whilst English Dan's been out of the room Tigre and River both having to, to field second choice sides if Boca get to that and a high up in the league and a still in the Libertadores they could field a reserve side in the semi as well it's the same situation exactly. you and see with Chelsea sure, but normally it wouldn't happen when you're in the semis and I'm just wondering whether that is going to albeit it's not something that the AFA can do anything about it's, it's how hmm. how it's going to work um, and, and it's not an organisation that particular point although there are many organisational faults with the Copa Argentina isn't one of them um, you could end up with only one of the semi-finalists using a full strength side which might shoot it in the foot but I think we're all hoping that it um, it doesn't work out that way and then we do get an entertaining tournament from here on in so that one team will be nine on coach yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, if it's racing, you might very well. Um, <laughs> when the quarterfinal lineups known, it's going to be really, yeah. really interesting. I think that's when the the real um, excitement is going to kick in. But we are trying to. Uh, we've got the other copper to cover as well. I've not mentioned the Libertadores yet. So Libertadores-wise, we've already mentioned that uh, Arsenal out and that um, so Boca went out last week, I think, or the week before. Yeah, they went um, out because of their one-nil defeat to Universidad de Chile. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And uh, their, their chairman, in fact, was just in the news today complaining about how his manager plays and saying the way that uh, Nelly Pompido plays isn't in keeping with Godoy Cruz's identity as a club and whatnot. Which is, I, I suppose we were kind of hinting at earlier in the season when we were saying that Godoy Cruz are looking worryingly organised and <laughs> there's, a, there's a lack of mentally high-scoring matches that, that they always used to be involved in. Well, but he, he knew, or at least he should have known, that Pompido... He's coming from a different school yeah, than, exactly. than others. Yeah, he's appointed him, so. Exactly. He's more a uh, Villardista because he, w- he used to play under Villardo mm-hmm. and he took on that f- philosophy. And it's not that he's going to have your team set out to attack constantly, as we've seen, we have been accosted by, by Godoy Cruz. And this thing you mentioned many, many times, uh, especially during last season, that uh, Godoy Cruz matches are the ones with more goals mm. than any others and you get they score a lot and they also concede a lot and well that's that used to be the case and yeah, it's, it's, no, that's it's not anymore done. it's amazing um, yeah, so, so, yeah. so Godoy went out last week yeah. we've had Arsenal yeah. went out on uh, Tuesday Tuesday night well, last night it would have been Wednesday, night. Yes, would have been Wednesday with Boca's they, they played on Tuesday night they, they managed something that Boca weren't able to do right at the start of the Libertadores campaign um they managed to beat Samora in Venezuela. Uh, Boca got that nil-nil draw, of course, in their very first Libertadores match, after which Falcioni resigned on the plane and then didn't resign on the plane and so on, and that was a big argument. Um, Arsenal won one nil, but the fact that Boca beat Fluminense in Rio on Wednesday night means that Arsenal are out, that Boca are through. Boca haven't yet confirmed that they've won the group, have they? They no, do they that have next the last, week. The last match, uh, they are two points behind Fluminense, so yeah. it's out of their hands. Um, but but they will uh, they'll have the chance to if, if Arsenal decide to play for pride against Fluminense and Boca play Samora at home and I guess in fact it'll be a chance for Boca to get some revenge on Samora for that goalless draw yeah. <laughs> by, by but then again in the um, in the Lovetorores that's not so important as it would be in other competitions it's no, not a new sure. group because they basically seed the second round according to how you did amongst all of the 16 qualifying teams yeah so Say yeah. yeah, first and second is exactly. such a big difference. It's more just how many points yeah. you've got against everybody else. Exactly. So Boca could say, I know it's probably impossible, but as kind of a crazy example, they could finish second in their group, but still finish like second after all and overall and play the second yeah. worst qualifier because of how they did overall. Yeah. Or they could finish first in their group, and depending on how all of the other yeah, groups end up as well, they could exactly. Um, exactly. And then of course we had Velasquez qualifying last night. Thank you. Yeah, with uh, another two 0 away win. Yeah, That's it was most very impressive two 0 away win in uh, Guadalajara against Chivas. That was Augusto Fernandez and Lucas Prato. Oh, yeah, Prato was very late on, but fully deserved. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and as we've already said, Lanús qualified a week ago they're playing tonight to, to try and win the group they're currently 2-0 down at half time to Flamengo so they're not going to finish first so I think uh, yeah three teams in two teams out is pretty much standard for Argentine teams in the Liverpool I think potentially even yeah. slightly better than we would have expected given the I mean there was a time a couple of seasons ago when Estudiantes were the only side Argentine side left at, at the yeah. quarter final stage and I'm trying to remember the last it. year I think it was Vélez and this Estudiantes yeah, got to the second round yeah. that's right um, so three is better and you know Lanús have, have got through the group stage which A given their relative lack of experience in the Libertadores and also given the fact that they've been as we discussed last week terrible in the league yeah. is you know probably, that, that, choice. probably that's why yeah. 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 because they concentrate on, on, on Copa Libertadores a bit more and it was a tough group because they mm. had Olympia very popular yeah, and difficult yeah. uh, Emelec 
but especially Flamengo as well. So it's, it's, it wasn't an easy group by no means. No. And then you wonder what would happen with Arsenal had it not been because they were in the same group with Boca and Fluminense mm -hmm. that are probably one or two steps uh, yeah, definitely. beyond or yeah, yeah for for or. Uh, higher <laughs> than them. Yeah. If, if they were in a group with no other Argentine teams, maybe they would have advanced. Or if it wasn't uh, because of this very good Fluminense yeah. side as well. Um, but no, they're they're out. So uh. absolutely. Um, I'm going to play some music now, and then when we come back, we'll answer a few of your questions on the Hand of Pod hashtag. Uh, we're not doing a live Q and A tonight. Sorry, uh, but don't go away. We won't be answering questions. few questions this week it makes a real difference when we ask for them in advance um, the, we've already answered a, one of course from two different listeners that happened to ask the same question about Arsenal uh, so now we'll get going with Ralph Hanna Paraguay Ralph on Twitter who wants to know is Gerardo Martino being seen in a new light as previously he'd had no managers here managerial success in Argentina um, our answer to that Ralph is yes because Previously, he hadn't registered at all here, and now he very much is registering. Uh, Seba, would you like to go into more detail? No, no, what I would like to add is that he was already seen uh, under a different light, even when he wasn't back in Argentina yeah. as a manager of News, because he got a lot of course, respect for his work with exactly, Paraguay, especially when they came to. They played Argentina off the park. Argentina and absolutely dominated them, yeah. I think that was probably the turning point when people started taking both Paraguay and Martino seriously. Yeah, and then of course, whenever an Argentine qualifying competition, we should. Yeah, yeah, of course. And whenever a, uh, an Argentine manager goes to the World Cup, the, he, he gets a lot of coverage as well. And you get the the same idea with Bielsa. Mm -hmm. He went to the World Cup with exactly. Chile, and now everyone is all over his Athletic Bilbao, and, and now he's getting he's getting known in Europe to the European audience. Um, and of course, there is an element of favoritism because when Bielsa was uh, fired well, or resigned as Argentina manager after the, the, the Olympics in 2004 yes, uh, national team managers can resign after the Olympics <laughs> so it is a big deal <laughs> in South America uh, well, he resigned and then uh, the public opinion was split after that and it was actually split before that two years before that when, when Argentina got knocked out in the first stage uh, at the 2002 World Cup with Bielsa as manager of course uh, but ever since then uh, there is the, this new uh, kind of group, massive group of Bielsa followers and Bielsa fans and they, I call them Los Fundamentalistas de Bielsa they're fundamentalists yeah. I mean, they're, they're I really, really, really yeah, I think we've mentioned this before even in passing of course um, uh, not for those. That group is uh, Jorge Sampaoli, who's doing fantastic things. Right. And all that no, but I mean, I mean, in the public, in the public yeah. opinion, and, and of course in the media as well, yeah. you, you can you can identify the journalists that are pro Bielsa right. that will always 
um, see the advantages of, of his system and will always uh, speak about his uh, uh, his qualities as a human being and as, as a manager and, and now I think Martino benefits from this because he is seen as a Bielsa disciple because mm. B, uh, Martino used to play under Bielsa in this the famous news of boys side in the mid 80s and, and, and early 90s um, especially mid 80s and right that's that's why I think he's getting a, a I wouldn't say an, 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 an easy start of his career as a manager mm. in Argentina, but he, he's getting looked with a different kind of... Uh, yeah, yes. I'd agree. And then you have to add to that that he's coming to a newest team basically as the saviour. You know, as we mentioned before, this was a team that was really kind of... It looked on its last legs, kind of playing awful football, losing, and he's just come in, you know, not being afraid to drop the players who've been in the team a long time and haven't been doing it and put in young players and it's been paying off and I think people love to see that as well yeah. I know there's a player that's been that's been making a lot of headlines uh, Maxi Oruti uh, yeah. a young centre forward I think who's scored I know he scored against Racing and he might well have scored, scored at the weekend he's got a very late yeah and he's someone who's he's making the headlines as well because yeah, he's been given a chance under Martino and he's taken full advantage and yeah it's kind of it's a bit of a cliche in uh in national football and I, I hear it a lot amongst uh, the group of people I go to wrestling with is that these young players are brilliant to have on the team because they basically you know, give their heart and soul for the club and they're not these mercenaries who go from team to team picking up paychecks and yeah it's a bit of a cliche it's a bit kind of idealised but there's there's some truth to it you know these kids they'll come in and they'll elite, even if they're not the most talented players in the world they'll they give you 100% and, and also it's worth mentioning that he has a history with news he's, he's, he's going to have bigger credit than anyone of course anyone he, he was posted a few years ago on an online poll as being Newell's all time greatest player um, yeah. and this yeah. is another bit of trivia that could be useful for those quiz <laughs> days and yeah. quiz, quiz competition I often go to New South Boys quiz night site no so but you can use it <laughs> you can use it in a general quiz competition because the stadium the New South Boys stadium is called Marcelo Bielsa but one of the tribunes is called Gerardo Martino so he's actually managing and, and coaching this team playing in a stadium that has a, a section of it uh, name after him. Um, One of the other sections in your stadium is named after Diego Maradona, who didn't do quite so much from that, <laughs> but you can understand why they wanted to. Anyway. Marketing reasons, maybe, but um, for th- in this case, in Bielsa's and Martino's case, it's all on, on, on merit and how they they represent news as as players. And Martino, one more thing, he is the all-time leader in, in appearances for news as yeah. a player and he was amazing for, for him and some of the fans that are, that are going there still remember him as a player so I mean it's a, it's a love story between him and, and news and as a neutral or rival if you want I want him to succeed I want him to, to, to do well and because they're going to have a difficult season next season with the mm. promedios but they're they're doing enough to save themselves yeah. this term. Yeah, just on the term of the promenade, let's just have a really quick look. Newells are going to drop 69 points from 2009-10 when the promenade gets restructured next season. They only got 42 last year, so they do need to start picking points up rapidly. Um, the next question is from Scott M87. 
who asks, will Pablo Moche leave Boca during the transfer window? He's linked with a move to Catania. Um, uh, whether it's to Catania or not is, is one thing, but yes. Um, and if I were a Boca fan, which of course I'm very much not, but I'd be delighted to, to see him go. Because although... It, it, okay, actually, we're, we're going to skip on a couple of questions now because somebody else has also asked a similar question about Moche. Um, Connor who is Jose Dolores, says on Twitter, says how much better would Moche be if he realised he wasn't a striker. Um, and we've seen some good work from him. In the last few games, he's been very good in wide positions. He scored a couple of goals which have been a bit jammy rather than because of good finishing and then claimed that he's the new Lionel Messi right afterwards. But um, working down, working out wide and being very much second fiddle to Svitanic and Silva, I think has, has helped him a lot. And, you know, we, we said something similar right after Falcioni came in when he when he's focused and he's got somebody to terrify him a bit and say look you have to work he's a talented player he's, he's never going to be a world beater because of his attitude and his, his complete lack of decision making ability but he's, he can certainly run um, and because of that he'll probably go for let's say at least a third as much again as he's actually worth yeah. uh, we're not going to be talking about you know a Sergio Aguero style transfer fee when he moved on from Independiente and managed to finance most of their stadium building but he's going to go for what is in Argentine terms big money um, which also helps us to answer the question which came in from uh, also from Connor saying Will and Schubbock had tried to sign Svitanic on a permanent basis after this season uh, what I read today was that if they can sell Moche for the fee that's being touted at the moment which is about $9 million um, then they will try and sign Svitanic because they've got a, an agreement with Ajax that there's a 2.5 million I think is euro um, clause in the loan agreement to, to buy him outright so, nine million dollars. Yeah. The things I'll do with nine million dollars, and none of those involved buying public homes. Jeez, it's probably about three hundred and fifty-six thousand things I'd do with nine million dollars. Here's, here's a question: So, if if you had nine million dollars, would you buy Pablo Mauch no. and, and give him to Independiente? No. <laughs> no. Chelsea. No. <laughs> If you have him to Independiente, he'd, he'd well, score against the rest. You're giving me just the option of buying him. I could buy an entire starting eleven with quality to play. In, I wouldn't say in all in every league, but in a, at a good, acceptable level anywhere in the world. And yeah, I think I think the the market is crazy. The things you see in the transfer market everywhere are absolutely crazy. Especially when it comes to Boca, it seems to just add a lot of money and you know, mm. give a lot of exposure to these players so you watch week in, week out and you know they're not really very good. I'll tell you what, if Boca no, no. played for none of the big five and well, if he played for none of Boca or River, no. he would be worth <laughs> nine, well... A million, say, a million yeah, dollars. One, yeah. yeah, one million. Tops. Flamengo have just gone 3-0 off against Lanús as we record five minutes into the second half with another assist from Ronaldinho but it looks um, like it's going to be in vain at this point it does yeah they're going out at the moment anyway because Olympia are currently beating Amalek um, why on earth we're bothering to live update you on this I don't know because you'd have been able to watch it yeah. by the time we upload but yeah, yeah just, uh, in, in case you're currently watching the Flamengo result and, then, <laughs> and, and wondering I wonder what the hand of pod guys are doing right now in, 24 hours later or so you'll be able to find out I'm sure some people won't catch the result when you that's true you publish it and this will be a, a very novel way to a, keep up a with pleasant it. surprise <laughs> for you exactly yeah. um, no but with Moche I, I really really hope that he's a, a guy that will be able to be coached because the physical ability is there yeah. and I think I think some of it you can teach a player but 
But he's not going to. I mean, yeah. Now, in the end, the, the, the attitude problem has always been obvious, but it's never been more obvious to me than when he hit that. What was clearly a mishit cross um, up into the top corner from a, a short corner. Uh, what was it about three weeks ago? And then after the match, almost completely unprompted, claimed that oh yeah, that was a goal Messi would have been proud of, wouldn't it? Like that was brilliant. I'm, I'm the big <laughs> I am. And you think? Are you? Sane not yeah like, you were aware of what you said why on earth are you saying these things you're just making yourself look like a, a blazing idiot yeah and he seems to be improving uh, under Francioni and also I saw a thing uh, in one of Boca's recent matches when he scored and he scored after brilliant assist from Santiago Silva and when you see him going to, to celebrate with Silva you can clearly read Silva's lips and he wasn't happy and he was telling Moche Puto, puto, like yeah. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. It's an insult that he was, <laughs> he was saying because he was um, making reference to a previous action in which Moche didn't pass to Silva when it was the obvious uh, thing to do. So Silva is also, I think, could be that, that could be an indication that Silva is also putting him in mm. his place, like saying, "Okay, I know you're flashy. I know you're you're." Well, some some girls tell uh, say that you're looking as well. You have money, and you have you, you're a, you're a model as well for for some casual wear. Or, or Think, things that Santiago Silva will probably never get a chance. Of course, of course, of course not. But next time you have him in that position, you should pass it. Santiago Silva could maybe make a good sunglasses model. He's got that sort of yeah. the bald head and the terrifying stare to right. cover up. Um, Anyway, <laughs> Brian Murray, who on Twitter is good grief. Oh, good grief! That's Ta- a, no, sorry, it's at, at Tajamulco zero eight, um, T A J A M U L C O zero eight. If anybody wants to follow him, says Club Atlético Douglas Haig were founded at the end of World War One and named after a British field marshal. Do you know why they used his name? Thank you. Um, this is we do know why one that used to stay because we looked it up on Wikipedia right before. Well, before, before we move forward to the story this is in a, in a town called Pergamino which mm. is in the Buenos Aires province where Daniel Fasarella was born isn't it? Um, is that was he born there or Junin? he started he started yeah. playing for Sarmiento de Junin that's I know for sure but I don't know I don't think he's from Pergamino I'm sure anyway, he grew up there I, so I once went through yeah. a coach and I was told that it was where he'd uh, Spent a lot of time when he was very small, at least. Carry on, Sarah. No, that's that's what I wanted to say. Just to okay. put it geographically uh, speaking. And and the reason uh, that they are called Douglas Haig is that they were founded by a group of railway workers, um, as you say, at the end of World War One, and these workers needed the, the permission of their factory owner in order to found the works team. Um, the factory owner was a, a man called Ronald Leslie, who, given that this is the railways in Buenos Aires in the late 1810s, uh, 1910s, sorry. We think it's fair to say, especially with that name, that he was English, um, and or at least British. And uh, he said that, yes, you're allowed to found this team just as long as you mention General Douglas Haig's name in it. So they started out as Club Atlético Ferrocarril Central Argentino General Douglas Haig, and today they're just called Club Atlético Douglas Haig. Um, 
So that's the reason. Yeah. They're, they're known, they're playing black and white, black and red stripes, and they're known as El Milan de Pergamino. Yeah, that was what I was about to say. That, oh, sorry. Yeah, that nickname they have. They, they at some point, uh, recently, they were the only team to have played every edition of the Nacional B, as it was called. Because before that, it was called Primera B. And for a number of years, I think it was 12 years or something like that, mm. they were the only team that was never promoted or relegated. They were there forever. Oh, well. that, that was a, one of their features. Um, Daniel Pastorella was born in Chacabuco. Oh, okay. Um, so I apologise. I, I was obviously fed bad information. He was born on the 25th of May and he shares birthday with me. And we were played and... Club Atlético Platense as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the Argentine Revolution. Of course. Um, That's a minor. It's very important. I'm my QPR supporting friend Robert, who is in Buenos Aires or will be very soon. <laughs> yes, yes, he's going to the, the Classico. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome, Robert. <laughs> um, we've also got a question from Argentina Previews, who is Argen Previews on Twitter, who says that he is ready to become a regular listener. Uh, so this is bribery uh, if we say who's going to the promotion playoffs and we do not include San Lorenzo in that list and he also doesn't want us to say San Lorenzo are going to direct relegation I know he's in San Lorenzo he, yes he is and, and he subsequently after I told him we couldn't promise that said that just say hello to him and he'll listen to it so right. hello Argentina previews uh, no San Lorenzo will not be in promotion they will go re- they will get automatic relegation yeah, that's what we <laughs> yeah. to say uh, who, who, ok who do we think is going to be uh, uh, in promotion playoffs to, to make it a little easier at the moment in the relegation table um, we've got Olimpo who are basically down They're, if they lose the next match then they'll be on one point per game which is pathetic um, Tigre obviously four points below San Lorenzo and San Martin who are in San Lorenzo the, the two Santos are in um, the relegation playoff spots and then Atletico Rafaela just above them all boys just above them and Union perilously close as well Racing and then what you'd think Racing are probably safe um, yeah, 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 yeah you think so um, so who's it going to be San Lorenzo San Martin Rafaela all boys Tigre Union for me, yeah. for me, it's going to be San Lorenzo and Tigre. Interesting. Yeah. I think San Martín are going to lose momentum and they're going to end up yeah. automatic relegation. Okay, I can see that happening. Yeah. yeah, I think I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. <clears throat> to be slightly different, I shall say Tigre and Rafaela hmm. with with San Lorenzo potentially dropping all the way through. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, um, but you, now I have a, I have my doubts with with Caruso, Caruso yeah. because mm. uh, even if people say he's a, cha- a charlatan or he likes to talk too much, um, or he always likes to be on TV, I've seen how his teams work and, and he usually gets results and. It's a very good point. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I this change of spirit. As a well, I think we'd all love to happen is for San Lorenzo to go into a relegation playoff and draw Tigre. Uh, sorry, Kilmes. <laughs> Kilmes. Um, I would prefer Rivers. I'd love to see Rivers. Considering that we've considering we've kept pretty quiet on this um, this week, but River. Yeah, for one of the first times this season, the, the world are out. Yeah, the yeah. well, drawn in the automatic promotion, yeah. the playoff place. Yeah, with Kimmis after Atlanta's glorious one 0 victory. Did we get to it yet? What? The I game. didn't go in there. 
unfortunately. Uh, yeah, Atlanta, of course, the, t- the side who, who played uh, away to River in San Lorenzo Stadium earlier in the season and got thrashed 7-1. Uh, they did somewhat better than that this time. Um, and it was a brilliant goal as well. Yeah. A screamer from, what, 25 yards out into the top corner to, to win the match. Um, Atlanta beat River 1-0 and then you know, for a couple of days, the press just couldn't stop talking about it's. You know, it's 2012 as well, so everybody's convinced that the world's coming to an end, <laughs> and that seems to be what happens every time River drop points. It gets very tedious. I tell you what, as long as Joel Richards and and myself don't record hand of pot together, the world will continue. Yeah, it won't come yeah. to, to well, the Mayans are wrong. We're trying to get Joel in for next next <laughs> week where negotiations are ongoing and uh, his his people are proving very yeah. difficult to get hold of. With I don't know. I'm I'm still convinced that Joe and Seb are the same person. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a three. There, there's a third guy, uh, right. Juan Mata, the Chelsea yeah. forward. Yeah. They, they they say. Well, I say he looks identical with Joel Richards, <laughs> and there's one friend on Twitter who says. I'm identical to Juan Mata. Right. I wish I had his his talent to play football. I, I, I don't think I look. I don't think I look similar to him. But well, the three of us have never been in the same room together. Yeah, nah. So We've, uh, uh, you never know. Well, well, we should say. I, uh, Myself and both Dan's have seen uh, Seba and Joel in a room together, but there were lots of mirrors involved, so <laughs> it could have been a lot of trickery going on. We've, we've had one very late inclusion in the questions from Neil Zimmerman, whose Twitter handle is Viva la Roja Mier, because there's not enough space for the, the A on the end of it. Um, are Jorge Sampaoli's efforts with Universidad de Chile garnering any interest from clubs in his home country? Well, I hope if Basile goes, I hope to see the mm-hmm. Sampaoli at Racing, but I doubt because Racing has this tendency of yeah, self-destructing and, and just appointing former managers or yeah. former players or people yeah. that are related to the club in, in some some way. Yeah. I, I, think, I think he has the perfect profile and the well, the perfect qualities to to succeed anywhere he goes, yeah. San Paoli, and I, I I wish and I hope he can become a Racing manager in the future. But I don't know. I actually did want to ask you about this earlier when we were talking about Basile because another another name that came up and was mentioned to me while um, Basile was doing his if we lose um leaving dance was um Luis Zubeldia, yeah. uh, former Lanús coach who this week has um, left Ecuador's Barcelona. I was wondering, like, would he be on the other end of the spectrum? Would you, do you think he's too young to come into a club like Racing? Or? I wouldn't want him to. No. no. It's not the kind of manager I, I want. And I think it would, I'd be worried about him going to a big club this early in his managerial career as well. I think he's a talented manager and I'd like to see him do well. Um, but going to one of Argentina's big five at this stage could... You know, do what yeah. what it did so Claudio Borgia at Boca. Yeah. So I think he's I believe he's, nice I believe he's still only thirty-one or thirty-two. Oh yeah, he's he's only about two or three years older than me. Yeah, um, he retired. He, he started managing when he was twenty-seven. Yeah, so. yeah, he had to retire with this chronic injury. Um, but yeah, um, Sampaoli, he could he could work anywhere, in my opinion. He's a he's a modern coach. He understands the game, the the, the, the modern game, and the the nowadays footballer that we were talking about before you know who I think he'd be good for actually who wouldn't be a very long distance move for him even and we've mentioned them once already in terms of managerial unrest uh, during this this week's podcast Godoy Cruz 
Yeah, but... style would fit them. Yeah, but I, I think... I think he can go bigger than Goleta Cruz now. Yeah, me Because La U are really, really a huge team in yeah. South America. Yeah. And, and nowadays, if he leaves... It has to be for. Yeah, he's going to a worker. Yeah, he's going to a rest. The answer, in terms of answering the question as it is, is probably that he's not going to go to an Argentine club mm. if he steps up from. from no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too sure about that. I could see him. I could see him take on one of the the biggest Argentine clubs because if yeah. you're an Argentine coach, there's a lot of prestige in that. You yeah. take on a Boca, you take him to La Primera, you take him to the Libertadores, then mm-hmm. you're a legend, and that's that's very um, very tempting. Yeah, sure, but there's also this thing where if if you take them on and you don't do well, it destroys your reputation in your home country and ruins your chance of being a manager of your own national team for what mm. a decade. Mm. But on the other hand, on the same argument, well, the same argument, he has another way of seeing it. And if you never coach here, how can you, how can you exactly, uh, yeah. nominate yourself or postulate to ever if you want to be the manager of Argentina? You have to, mm. you have to have some. It's the same with the players. If if they don't play here. Look how Messi has struggled. Mm. He has three Ballon d'Ors, but he still is not the unanimous yeah. darling of the of the fan, of the Argentina fan here in Argentina. So exactly. I'm gonna um, before we have Mystic Dance predictions. We've already been recording for a really long time, and we've barely talked about Independiente. Um, and so, but whilst there's a reason why, yeah, <laughs> sure, of course. But, but whilst whilst you were waiting, it, it seems silly not to because of the Clásico this weekend. And, and you were talking right at the very beginning of the show about Alfio Basile and, and the problems with him as a manager. And one of the things that that sort of sprung into my mind when you were mentioning Basile's difficulty with relating to modern footballers is that certainly doesn't seem to be something that Independiente's current manager Cristian Diaz has. He's much younger. Uh, he was a modern footballer, what just a, a season or two ago still. Um, and not a very you know, good, and, and on a wider level as well. <laughs> sure. but, but on a wider level as well, is it, uh, are you nervous about the weekend's club? Obviously, you're not going to watch it, but that's not due to, to nerves; it's due to having another game. And as you two, as I'm nervous. Uh, I'm nervous about QPR playing West Brom. That, I'm, I'm honest. I'm trying to be as honest as possible. I can possible. see. I can see. I'm, I'm looking I, into your yeah, eyes as you're yeah. saying it. And it's, it's still quite shocking to hear it, though. But, but this is an Argentine football should, podcast. And I'm trying to get a quote. I know. I know. Yeah. Of course, when the match is on, and of course, second half, I'm going to watch it entirely because the QPR game will be over by then. Um, and of course, I'm going to be watching with interest. Uh, that's that's in my blood. It's never going to change. And I know I I have changed during the years. I'm not a teenager like English Dan here. And uh, he's he's falling. <laughs> you're in the you're in, right in the thick of your passion for Racing. I I can tell. Sure. I can see that. I I see. I see myself <laughs> in you. And the other thing is that I'm touched, touched, but I'm touched. I see my. I feel like we should hug now. As, as a racing fan, as well, English Dan is, is almost only a, a baby still because he's only been a racing fan for two or three years now. So, yeah. I see the 12 year old Seba yeah. when I look at, at, at Dan's <laughs> relationship with racing. That's right, guys, I do look that young. Is Felipe <laughs> excited about it? Uh, he's excited more about Flamengo. He recognizes the Flamengo shirt and he recognizes Messi, and I'm a proud daddy because of that. But anyway, when when the when the game is on, uh, I'm going to be watching, I'm going to be supporting Racing as always, uh, but I'm not going to be devastated if we lose, I'm not going to be elated if, if, if we win. I'll remind you that you said this next week and we'll yeah, see uh, yeah. what actually yeah. transpires. Um, I'm hoping for six points, three for QPR, three course, for Racing, of course, course. but uh, I'm not going to hang myself or anything like that. Yeah. 
I don't know if we mentioned this in the podcast or before, it all, it's all kind of blurred into one now, <laughs> but uh, Racing are basically coming into the game with four days rest, and Independiente had well, seven, seven almost eight, yeah. which... That shouldn't be an excuse, mate. It shouldn't Sorry. be an excuse. It's not two days, it's four. Mm. How more do you need? I mean, how No, but I'm saying it's, it's good, mate. Days, yeah. Of course. It's something to uh, take into consideration. Uh, to use that is... And as, and as we mentioned before as well, Diaz now has uh, four wins in five matches as independent manager, right? Uh, three wins and a draw. Sorry, you're right, yeah, because they drew on Friday, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so three which wins is, and a draw. Which is almost a win, to get a draw away at the Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, um, yeah, Racing aren't going into the game with any type of form. Of, obviously, they won those those two games before but then they lost two on the bounce and drew again but I guess yeah, if you look at the last five games there's only one win difference between the two clubs Yeah, it's just yeah. Independiente to come more recently that's but never won at the new stadium right? the new Independiente stadium no they've played twice and lost 1-0 both times and I've been at both games and they went enjoyable are you going um, this, this week? I'm going to be yep yeah, I'm going to be there at uh, midday one, on today, yeah right? midday on um, on Saturday afternoon which is you know, in Apple's wisdom when the game's going to be played. And no, I don't know, I'm used to kind of, in the last few seasons, we've seen Racing uh, kind of coming into the Classico in decent form and then getting horribly disappointed. So I'm hoping that it will work the other way around this time. Okay, so but I, uh, are we all agreed then that, I mean, I'm guessing that you two are agreed, and I think as a neutral I'd probably say as well that Independiente are the marginal favourites. Yeah, you've got to make the favourites in their own stadium. And in in which case... This is good a time as any to play the theme music, and I'm not going to be doing an Australian accent, but I am going to be reading out Mystic Downs. Oh, we should live update as well. Olympia, Emelec is now 1 1, which means Flamengo are going through with this win against Nanus with 20 minutes to go. Yes, I'm, I'm going to read out Mystic Downs' predictions, which he's emailed to me. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Mystic Dan's predictions this week he sent me a list of numbers 1, 2 and X for a home win away win and draw um, and he just sent me them he didn't send the, the fixtures as well he said this is just what the fixture list you know the numbers are in the order of the fixture list so we're hoping that the fixture list I've picked out from, <laughs> oh, no. from, from the so recesses so of my brain you see no. you know that it's just I looked it up on the alpha I looked it up on it's a new method yeah. it's a new method he, he, doesn't, he doesn't care no he's just done it so that if he ends up with like one out of ten you can say no those weren't even the results of well this is the thing the fixture I've taken is, is from the AFA's website and it's exactly the same order of matches as on the LA website and the Kanchashena website so it, this has to be correct we think um, he's going for Estudiantes to beat Colón at home Independiente to lose at home to Racing which is an interesting prediction um, Olimpo to beat All Boys at home San Lorenzo and Godoy Cruz to draw Mele Southfield to get an away win against San Martín Newells to get a home win against Banfield Union and Arsenal to draw Argentinos to beat Belgrano at home 
T. Graham Bocker to draw, which is that's interesting. Yeah, possibility. But I think I think Tiger fans will take that, of course. Yeah. Even if they they're really really desperate to get three points from yeah. a, a match, a draw against Boca will that's experience. Yeah. yeah, and depending on other results, it could. Yeah, and he's also gone for Lanus to beat Rafaela at home. Uh, so those are, are Dan's predictions in his absence. He will be back next week, so we can laugh at him uh, for you know, for racing. To, anyway, <laughs> interesting. We'll see. Um, did, he, did he send a, a prediction for QPR? No, he didn't. I'm afraid. If, if he'd asked sooner, then, then he might have done. But it's been hard enough to get him to reply to any bloody emails this week. So, uh, right. Ladies and gents, we've been recording for an hour and 25 minutes, almost, so I'm going to say goodbye now and then cry myself to sleep tonight, and what a hard editing job I've got to do tomorrow. Um, we will be recording at some point next week, we've not decided the exact day yet, as I've already hinted, we're hoping to get Joel Richards involved, and Australian Dan will of course be back. For now, from which way round shall we do this? Let's go... Seba. Hasta luego, muchas gracias. Thanks. English term. Goodbye and thanks for listening. And myself, it's goodbye, have a nice weekend, and love each other very much. <laughs> Disgusting comments uh, regarding a particularly interesting interview that Ragnar Love gave to Brazilian Playboy <laughs> last week uh, look on goal.com for more detail